HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Today, I am joined by an amazing uh, a guest with a beautiful background and experience, Nancy Major, a best-selling Christian author, speaker, certified coach. Nancy specializes in helping women overcome sexual shame and trauma. Nancy is also an award-winning nonprofit leader and consultant with more than 30 years of experience. Nancy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to, to talk with you and to learn what is going on in your world today. Hey, Liam, it is so great to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So glad that we could finally make it happen. Yeah. So why don't you start out by uh, telling me a little bit about about yourself and, um, you know, what's going on? Well, I actually have about 30 years of experience working in the nonprofit and business sectors. I am an award-winning um, business leader, and I have managed teams that were upward into 200 uh, staff members, as well as some really small teams. So it's kind of been all over the map. I've worked in very large nonprofits and in very small nonprofits, and I've owned my own businesses and worked for private companies as well. That is, uh, wow, that's amazing. Um, that is a very broad, you know, knowledge base, experience base, which is why I was so thrilled that you accepted my invitation to come on and talk with me today. Um, so nonprofit space is something that I've yet to be able to, you know, kind of dive into with somebody. So I'm excited that you've joined me. Tell me a little bit. Well, first, you're an author. Yes, I yeah. am. Yes. So tell me about, you know, tell me about that. Tell me about your book. So I wrote a memoir and it's called A Wretch Like Me, A Modern Day Mary Magdalene Saved by Grace. And it is my personal story and part of my journey of um, healing and recovery from a period of time in my life that was really a deep uh, secret. And it was something that I kept hidden for many, many years and I feel by the grace of God, I was um, saved from that and given an opportunity to actually be able to write a book to be a roadmap of help and healing for others who maybe are hiding in silence and feeling in bondage to shame or past trauma. And I kind of have a firsthand uh, account of that myself. And so this was really a way to help people in a in a different arena and that's awesome um we need more people who are willing to share and and talk about things that are i guess hard in order to help others come forward and heal um and to move past those traumas in their life 
Um, it's exactly. community and understanding and empathy of, of others is, is one of the greatest tools that we have as humans. Um, which is why I love what's happening in today's world with more and more people sharing. Um, because it is, I, in my personal opinion, the, the greatest and the quickest path to, to healing. I have 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that coming up alongside each other, mm-hmm. um, we lift each other higher yep. and we have a greater chance of actually recovering from some of the most traumatic things that could ever happen to us. And without one another, I don't know how we recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you couldn't have said that better. So, so I, I commend you. I thank you for, you know, sharing those things. Um, and that's, you know, part of the rise and the reason that I started this podcast was because of my own personal journey. And it has now obviously turned into so much more. And um, because my personal journey was also part of the human resource side of, of um, being discriminated against and people not understanding me because I wanted to be a professional and, and well, when you suffer from bipolar disorder, it's sometimes difficult to present all of the time. And so anyways, getting back to where we were. So this is now tied into your story of what you're doing now. You, um, you recently went out on your own. So tell me a little bit about, about that and what you're doing, what your journey looks like now. So I'm so excited because it kind of touches on what we were just saying about community, about mentoring and about helping to come up alongside someone else who is maybe walking through a difficult journey and a difficult path. Um, So what I did is my book kind of launched into a business called Miracles Manifested because I truly believe that that is my life experience is that it's been one miracle after another that has become manifest in my own life. And so I wanted to be able to use that as a way to help others. So my um, practice is really specializing in helping women overcome sexual shame and trauma, because it is probably some of the more taboo, darker side that a lot of people woo woo don't want to talk about. It's really in this, you know, darkness. And I think that shame lives and exists because it stays in darkness. Mm -hmm. And when we bring it into the light, we can actually heal it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was really important about this business. So I coach uh, women and work with them through a Christian practice of um, mentorship and coaching and help them really develop tools, practical, tangible tools, um, things I've learned through my own journey of recovery. And I have a special certification in this particular kind of work. And I'm really excited to be able to offer that. I'm also a professional speaker and I work with different groups, um, different organizations that maybe have a women's group or a Bible study or a domestic violence shelter, even a prison ministry, um, wherever people are hurting and it's a dark place. And you know this a lot as well, Leanne, it is so easy to get hopeless and to feel so despaired. Um, and that is really what I wanted to make a difference in. That's amazing. And you coming up in a non 
uh, a not-for-profit space where you've worked in in a not-for-profit where it was very similar. You've done some work um, with organizations that have um, similar values, similar backgrounds that really just kind of, I, I feel like it's kind of serendipitous. It, it actually kind of just created this beautiful path for you to eventually find yourself here. Yeah, I kind of feel like the same thing. I feel like God gave me this really wonderful opportunity to sort of practice, right? So really, for 30 years, I've had a lot of different experiences for causes that were near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And he really gave me just tremendous opportunities to learn different skills and different um, abilities to really hone in on some of the gifts and talents I would need in this new work. And so my nonprofit experience has really parlayed beautifully into what I'm doing today. And I am still a nonprofit consultant. So I do work with a lot of small and medium-sized nonprofits um, when they're working through strategic planning, board development, staffing, uh, wink, wink, um, because (laughs) we both know that that is an ongoing uh, when you're dealing with human beings, right? So you're dealing with people and whether it's in a for-profit space or a nonprofit space, a cause you really care about, a cause you could care less about, a product, um, regardless of which space it's in, it's still about the people, right? Right. So at the bottom... At the bottom of it all, it's all about the people. And that's a big part of my experience with the nonprofit space. So let's let's hone in on that. Obviously, you know that this season and um, this season is about, you know, really the focusing on um, the, the hiring, the retention, the training. And there's a lot of staffing companies out there that will not touch non nonprofit organizations um, just because you know, when, when I think, especially, you know, when I think of nonprofit and for-profit businesses, I think, wow, they're so drastically different, right? I mean, that's just the, the first thing that- That's that the natural thing we think. Right. It's the natural yeah. thing that I think. And, and I've had, I've been approached by other, you know, other nonprofits, um, you know, many people in that space. And I've always said, eh, I'm not sure that I can help. Um, but you and I, you know, we, we, Prior to hitting the record button, we talked a little bit about this. So let's start off with the, you know, a simple question. How drastically different is it when it comes to the, I don't know, the, the inner core of a nonprofit versus a for-profit? The day-to-day... Well, this is- Yeah, this is a really great question. And I get asked this a lot. There are a lot of people who believe it's vastly different. And really, there's one central difference. In a for-profit, all of the profits made from that business can be used however the owner or shareholders of the company see fit. Whichever way that they want to spend the money, it's up to them to do that. In a nonprofit space, all proceeds that are generated because believe it or not, nonprofits need to be profitable. Otherwise they are not sustainable and they can't actually hire good people, retain good people, invest in their people, invest in trainings, provide better services, etc. cetera. Um, it just means that all of the profits made within a nonprofit have to go in into back into the organization's um, mission. So that is mission delivery, mission knowledge, 
mission expansion. So let's think of it in this way. If you're a humane society and you start out and you are serving, you, you maybe are able to handle 50 animals in the course of your business. But the need is for a thousand and you're currently only serving 50 and you want to grow into that thousand number. Um, the nonprofit space just is that everything that's made within that business is going to grow to serve more animals in a case of a, like a humane society. Um, that's that's really the only difference. It's it's that is the core differentiator between a for-profit and a non-profit. Interesting. And, and you would think as me being a, a, an intelligent person, I, you know, I say this, I, I believe that I am an intelligent person. Maybe I'm not. I you are. <laughs> <laughs> but you would think that I would have a better understanding of that. And now I do. I, now I, I truly do have a better, you know, because I think, oh, people who work at nonprofits must be, you know, <laughs> This is a horrible thing. They must be so poor. You know, they don't make any money, which is not true, which is not true. Not at all. Right. Not at all. Because it has it has nothing to do with what they make. It just has to do with how the how the business itself operates and what they're allowed to do with their money. Correct. And whether it's taxable or not. Right. So it has a tax exempt status that for profit businesses don't. But all the other elements of running a nonprofit really are very similar, um, it, except I would say the, the other big difference is usually it is in support of a cause right. or a mission that is to better society. It's to better a community, to better a population of people. So it just depends on what that cause is. But you know, I think most companies, if you really boiled it down, all companies should strive anyway to make a difference more than make a buck. Right. And and if you're a decent company, that's really why you're in business is you want to make a difference in whatever way, shape or form that takes. And in the nonprofit field, it's supposed to be right 100 percent that way, that it is operating. It was founded to make a difference in the lives of those that live, work, and play in any specific community. Interesting. So when it comes to, you know, hiring and training and retention, it, it shouldn't operate too much different then because we're not talking about, you know, at a for-profit versus a non-profit offering people $5 difference in salaries. We're talking about still... Right. We're talking about still being able to hire people at the market value, fair value, and we're talking about still being able to have adequate training because it's still running as a business. Right. That is the ideal. The ideal scenario is that you are hiring people and gaining talent because talent is what will make make your mission successful. It will make it grow. It's the same as any other business in that sense, right? So it's all about the people. Um, the difference in some of the smaller nonprofits that I've seen is that hitting that market value rate um, is very painful, is very difficult because it is all based on money. So that's really true, the same in a for-profit though. If you're a small independent or smaller business, you may not be able to pay somebody 
you know, six figures for a position that a larger company easily could pay with um, Gold Star benefits. So many of the nonprofits that I've worked with didn't offer benefits, for example, any kind of health insurance, retirement plans, any sort of benefits um, at all. Um, They were lucky if they were able to offer vacation time. Um, So paid vacation time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's changed. I would say the market, you know, the marketplace has driven some changes that are beneficial and are making it more clear that this is really hard work. It's it's not an easy thing to make a difference in the lives of the most vulnerable populations that exist in our communities. Um, nonprofits often are serving a gap where no one else is doing the work. We don't have the government programs doing it or capable of doing it or being able to expend the dollars to do it, but the need still is there. Mm-hmm. So take, for example, child abuse prevention. Let's just take that as a topic, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that child protective services is so overworked at the government level. How many times do you read about or see the newspaper reports that are just tragic that these caseworkers have triple and quadruple the numbers of cases that what any one person should be able to handle? So we know then that there's an overflow of the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, who's going to step in? Who's going to stand in the gap? These right. children require services. It's critical to us as community members that children are being served. Someone has to stand in the gap. So thus a nonprofit gets formed to be a stand in the gapper, right? We're going to take on this cause and serve let's say X percent of that overflow. We can't serve all the need, but you're going to step in to try and take some of that overflow. And that's how a lot of the nonprofits uh, I'm familiar with anyway, that's how many of them got formed is because they are standing in the gap where other services aren't able to keep up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we also in the nonprofit space have the advantage of being able to raise donations and do fundraising, which is other people who then care about said cause can donate dollars that often are tax uh, uh, write-offs, so to speak, or at least, you know, I'm not a tax attorney, so don't ask me, but that's the way it was anyway, (laughs) that they were deductible. Mm -hmm. You could make a donation to said organization because you care about that cause. And That is a way that nonprofits um, very often are able to function a little bit more uh, nimble Mm -hmm. and flexible and fluid because the donations they receive allow them to turn corners sharper, right? If, If they need to go left, they go left. If they need to go right, they go right. And they can do that on a dime. Uh, versus a government entity, let's say, or school system or a hospital system or some other huge corporation where you have layers and layers of bureaucracy Mm -hmm. and red tape. Um, In a smaller nonprofit, you have the ability to be much more agile and flexible and fluid, and you can change and evolve rapidly, which is so needed in human services uh, organizations that are serving, like I said, the most vulnerable of different populations. Interesting. So with the fundraising function, um, the, it, those dollars that those organizations raise, those are not, ta- if I'm understanding this right, that is 
those are non-taxable dollars to that organization that they turn around and reinvest directly back into their business to continue to push their mission forward. Exactly. 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 You hit it right on the head. Awesome. That's how it works. And then, and then that organization in, you know, would hopefully continue to grow and serve whatever population or whatever mission they are serving. Right. And they either provide services, let's say on a wider. So, so they have basically two goals, right? Much like most companies, they either want to expand their footprint where they're reaching out to more people. They're able to provide their service to more people, or they're going deeper where the services themselves become more and more and more um, deeper in, into specific topic. Like if it's child abuse prevention, let's say you really want to train um, schools or churches or hospital settings or companies for how to be aware of child abuse, how to prevent it. How do you make sure that you have safety protocols and policies in place that are instrumental? Well, if a nonprofit doesn't go deeper into that, into those subject matters, right? It can't really um, provide the breadth and depth of services that are actually needed. So it just depends. I mean, it depends on the goals of that particular nonprofit, but that's typically, it's one of two goals or both that they want to go wide or they want to go deep or they want to, they want to do both. Interesting. So you've, you've managed and you've run, um, and, and you, you have a very specific area of expertise. Yes. You, you're, um, exceptional at helping nonprofits really hone in on their mission and grow from conception in that first kind of year, two years, correct? Correct. I would say that's true. Really getting specific about their mission, really understanding the story around the cause. And it has a lot to do with that because there are so many different opinions that can enter into a conversation. Different people can have different opinions about the mission, but what's the real story? And when you really think about marketing a business, this goes back to the similarities, right? Mm -hmm. In any kind of business, you really have to hone in on what value proposition do you bring to the market? Well, the same thing is true in a nonprofit language. What value proposition do you bring to the market? What's your story? What's your deal? What is your mission doing to better this community or this region or this country or blah, 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 whatever it is? Um, What is it specifically that's going to touch the hearts and minds of people to move their hand to write a check or give you money? Right? Right. So the story moves the hand. Right. Right. It's the story. So if I tell you, oh, this cause is... Uh, to combat this chromosomal gene malformation in, you know, an infant in this range of age and this particular sex, you know, and this, you know what I'm saying? It gets really, really complicated versus, hey, we have babies that are dying by these numbers. And here's, here's what we're trying to do to stop that or prevent that. You see what I mean? You're just cutting right to the chase. You're getting right in there with, this is what it's about. So it's simplifying the message 
boiling it down so anyone anywhere can understand what it is that this nonprofit is trying to achieve. And that's really my specialty is really understanding, taking a complicated story and boiling it down into the most basic uh, template for anyone to understand and then really training staff, really going in uh, hard on really trying to help the team understand that message so that we're all saying the same thing. So that this mission is clear, no matter who's hearing it and no matter who's saying it, it's repeatable, it's memorable, and people want to give to it. So what do you think is the most difficult aspect of, of, of doing that? I mean, is it training the team? Is it getting the message? Is it hiring that team? What... I mean, yeah, you, I you, made, you made that sound like it was, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that in my sleep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, you're just like, yep, that's what I do. It's, I, I'm, I, I can do it in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a lot like you, Leanne. Like, it's just familiarity, right? right? So the more and more you do something, the better and better you get at it. And the more you can recognize different things. You recognize red flags. You sort of get better at your gut instinct about people's personalities, what their passion is. And so you lead with passion. To me, passion is everything. Passion about the mission, especially when you're hiring nonprofit staff. If the person that you're hiring could care less about the mission of the organization, what are the chances that no matter what job you give them, Mm. that they're actually really going to be there for the right reason? And we need people to be there for the right reason. Specifically in nonprofit work, I would say this hands down, passion trumps anything, Right. anything all day long. Because Leanne, if you care about, name it, whatever that is, you care about it so much that it moves you to tears. It moves you to write a check. It moves you to go to an organization's gala. You want to go and pack bags for this. You want to pack a backpack, whatever it is, right? Whatever your deal is that you really care about. That's the kind of person that any nonprofit, we could take a person who has a completely different background in skills and talent, and we can teach them what we need them to know, mm-hmm. but we can't teach them passion for the mission. Right. So first hire for the passion about the mission. And when you go into an interview, this is one of the things I've I've done a lot is tell me, tell me about our mission. I want to hear it from them, mm-hmm. right? I need to hear it as the interviewer. I need to hear it from them. Uh, I've got to be able to pick up on why they care about this mission um, so much so that they want to work at this cause. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. I think that's true in, in any line of work, but I think it's especially true when you're trying to make a, a huge difference in vulnerable populations of Uh, whether it's children, animals, people, you know, whatever that particular cause is. Right. Um, So you're hiring for passion. And then really, it's the investment. It's the investment from whether you're a business owner, or you're the leader of a nonprofit, or you're the leader of this department or division or whatever it may be in, in a nonprofit. This is same exact truth. It's the investment in the training. It's the investment in the person you hire. Because if you just bring them in, they're super passionate, they're gung-ho, they're all excited. Yay, I started my new job. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get started. And then you just dump them out there on the street. <laughs> Go at it. 
figure it out. We're so busy. We don't have any time to tell you what, what we actually need you to do or how to do it or what the, what the tools are that we have or how to use the tools. Or we need you to research, find out what tools we actually need for you to do the job that we've hired you to do. Maybe that's as simple as it is. But sometimes I think people just hire really great people and then they just leave them on their own. And they don't reinvest in them. And so, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna interrupt you here for a second. Yeah. So as you were speaking, I'm I'm hearing the similarities in hiring for a for profit versus a non for profit. Um, but I'm also hearing the differences. I can hire a salesperson who is not necessarily wildly passionate about selling you know, whatever, staffing services, for instance. And I can I can find something in them that drives them. Typically in the for-profit space, if somebody is really driven by money, I can figure out a way to trigger that person to do a really great job through the idea of here's what you're capable of making if you sell X, Y, Z, if you do it this way. And if they're a really highly money-driven person, at the end of the day, I can figure out how to pull that passion out of them so that it translates to what they're selling in the for-profit space. Sure. And there's there's different ways that you can tweak that. And and eventually they can become passionate about their project or their their product and they can and they can figure out how to sell it well and they can figure out how to talk. The thing that you do have to no matter what in any sales role is you have to, you have to be passionate about people. You have to like people. You have to like to build relationships. And and the thing that, that irks me every time I talk to salespeople is when they say, yeah, I hate, I hate, I hate people. And I look at them and I go, wait a second, you're in the business of, of people. You sell to people like, right. so I'm always, I'm always, that's the one thing you have to have a passion and a love for sale. The difference that I'm finding in a, in a nonprofit setting is that you really do have to have a passion for your cause, that you need to wake up and be truly passionate about the cause that you're representing. It's not something you can fake. Right. It's right. not. You can't just hire a robot to do it. Right. That's true. Right. That's true. It's 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 not something that you can fake. Um, and and that is the the one true difference that I'm that I'm that I'm hearing here, is that um, and and that is definitely a I'm I'm going to guess a, the reason that finding amazing people in the nonprofit space is much more difficult than finding just a simple salesperson or person to go out and raise capital for or raise awareness for that cause because the language is going to be wildly different um, than me calling up and saying, hey, I see that you have a job opening and I'd really love to talk to you about how I can assist you. It's, it's going to be wildly different than calling up and saying, hey, I'm representing this cause and, you know, we would love to see if you're interested in investing some dollars in that. Because at the end of the day, there's there's no, they're not buying. They're not getting anything. 
They're just giving money. They're contributing to something bigger than themselves. They get to be the hero in the story. And that's how that pitch is different yes. than a for-profit. And I would say to you, I would challenge you on this a little bit, Leanne, that it is somewhat similar because your best salespeople actually really care about helping a client, a prospect, a prospective client um, through solving a problem, right? Okay. They've got a problem. And this company over here provides X service or X product that is supposedly going to solve this problem. That's the thing, right? And if you have passionate salespeople, they really care about helping this client over here solve their problem. If they're really good at what they do in sales, mm -hmm. they care. Right. They care about providing the solution and they, they love that idea of being able to help people. Mm -hmm. um, I think if people are just 100% money motivated uh, all the way around, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, I, th I think that's, you're going to find people like that, but I think that's like a hamster wheel. You're just chasing on a wheel. Um, and the carrot is, is only going to be, you know, you, you can do that for only so long and then money isn't enough. Um, in my, in my estimation right. it's just not enough. I think you need more in life to be a whole and happy person. Um, something that, that gets you out of bed, out of bed in the morning is probably a little bit bigger than money. Um, mm -hmm. in my mind. And, and, I, and anyway. I was just, I was yeah. just lumping no, I together. It. Like I wasn't yeah. saying that, you know, the only thing that they're passionate about is money, but right. you know, a lot of sales, you can pull out their passion. Correct. That. Correct. Yeah. After, and, I, and I get that. Yep. Right. And and after you figured out, because again, when I started in sales, my motivator was I want to make a lot of money. And and through figuring out that, yep, okay, this is a this is a, a an industry I can do that, I figured out, wow, I have so many loves for like I really figured out that I love um, you know, the HR. Well, I knew that I loved that, but I <laughs> but I, I enjoy I love being the consultant and and finding solutions and helping and on so many fronts. But I I love sales. Like I love yeah. everything about sales. I love helping others understand sales. I love and I'm intrigued by how there are similarities and and yet vast differences. There are some differences. Right. And it's, um, again, you know, I'm on a tangent here, but so, um, I just, I, you know, I have this podcast because I get to talk to awesome people yeah. and they teach me things. <laughs> right. Right. It's fascinating to it hear does. differences. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, where were we before I rudely interrupted? About retention. Yes. We were just talking about retention. So you have to invest in the yes. people that you hire and you've got to really make sure that they have the right tools too. That's really important. What resources do they need to do the job? What are the tools that you have? So if you want somebody to, to design, for example, some really kick butt marketing materials for this cause, but you have absolutely zero <laughs> tools for them to do the designing uh, or to come up with that or to put something together, that's probably going to be a little bit of a, of a miss. You're going to have to find and, and this is the cool part. In nonprofits, there are so many different opportunities through college campuses and internships and uh, young 
people like that are in high school, uh, where the parents of these teens um, sometimes say, oh, my, you know, my son or my daughter is really awesome at building at websites, let's say. They're really wanting to go into that in school, and they may be able to help your nonprofit by bringing in someone who's got a gift in that area. And does that make sense? Where maybe you might be a little more intimidated by doing that in a for-profit or you wouldn't even think to do that. But the nonprofit field is, they're just well, well known for being extraordinarily scrappy. I mean, extraordinarily scrappy. Um, They'll use just about anything to get it done. Right. Right. Well, and it it makes sense. I'm, and, not only does it make sense, it also is giving opportunity in a way that others wouldn't have. Like I'm a college student who I can now use that as a, as a, on my portfolio, portfolio. right? On my portfolio when I'm going and looking for a job. And that is, that's amazing for that individual to be able to say, well, when I was in college, I built this website. And then I've, I've helped maintain and, or I've helped do marketing material yes. for them. And that's, yes. I wish more companies would do that. Yes. Yes. I wish more Hallelujah. companies would do that. I'm with you on that. Because I think videography, you think about all these, the social media platforms and managing social media, which is super time consuming and tricky for a lot of people to be able to get their arms around. And we have a younger generation and we have students out there that are super excited about that. We have so many opportunities in the nonprofit realm to really hone in on and, and allow others that we maybe wouldn't think of um, to give them different opportunities. Um, I even had some um, Boy Scouts and um, Girl Scout troops that were competing for different levels of awards. And they built some of the most incredibly creative things that were super necessary at these nonprofits that I was at. And they got to, you know, wear the badge of honor because they won the award. They got the experience. They got the number of volunteer hours they needed, whatever that might be. Um, And the nonprofit was able to get what they needed. So there's so many synergies you know, with these different organizations. Like if you think of the Boys and Girls Club Mm -hmm. and you mix them with the Humane Society, right? So the collaborative opportunities, that is also, I would say, gives us a a little bit of a difference between for-profit and competition. Right. Right. And and I'm going to guess that that for-profit organizations wouldn't even consider or think of that because they're not in that space. And I'm also going to say that maybe maybe for-profits would have to get a special permission. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, it, I guess it would seem I, I don't know. But it, it's it's awesome. It's a good like, question. Right. Like if a for-profit company were to come out and say, hey, um, we have a great app. Well, no, I don't. I, we have a great opportunity. Have like, yeah, they have internships, right? But but a lot of a lot of people will say if you don't if for for profit if they don't pay mm. for the internships, a lot of those companies will be like, well, come on, just pay them a little bit of money because mm. they are for profit. When it's a mm-hmm. nonprofit, you don't think like, well, how dare you not pay? Because there's a, a there's a true cause. Yeah, there's a you know. There, I mean, you're because you're you're working. You're all working in synergy towards something greater than you, right? So I guess there's I I guess when that would be the that's the difference. Yep. 
that is the difference. And it, that just dawned on me because yeah. when it is a for-profit, you kind of go, come on, if you're, you're going to ask for free help. Yeah. But when it's a not when you're for profit, pocket the, profi- the profit, <laughs> when you're going to pocket the, exactly. Yep. And that, I think that we, I think we just solved that. That is why there it, you are. that's why there's a difference because mm-hmm. however, with like the website thing. Yeah. Why not reach out to a college student and say, Hey, right. help us out with this. And we'll, we'll throw you like, a- yeah, whatever the price is, you know, whatever this uh, amount comes out to be correct. Well, but we'll give you a little extra and, and here's the thing. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can, you can right. always have an internal person do a little bit of tweaking to it. You can always right. have it updated. And instead of getting a $5,000 bill from a professional, you've now yeah. cut that $5,000 bill down to a thousand dollars and right. you've kicked a college student, you know, a thousand dollars. And yeah. now you're, you're still better off than you were. And yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so many ways to do service projects and ways to think about collaborations. Um, and I think that there is an abundance mindset in a nonprofit. Like you have to, you have to have an abundance mindset. You can't have a scarcity mindset. Right. Um, so we all boats rise, right? Um, and instead of this, I'm going to eat you for lunch, (laughs) like you, you can't, um, you just can't survive, uh, in the nonprofit space with that mentality. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it is fiercely competitive when it comes to the dollars you're trying to raise, of course, because there's a bazillion causes, right? Just think about it. I mean, think about that, put churches in the mix. Oh, Right? right. They're nonprofits. Right. Then you think about some of the hospitals. There are many hospitals that are nonprofits. Yep. Now you've got them. You've got schools. Let's add schools in the mix. So now you've got churches, schools, hospitals that are considered nonprofits, those that are. Yep. And you add them into the organizational, the, the community organizations that you know of that exist. So you think about competition, it's pretty fierce. And which is weird is because I don't think of schools as being nonprofit yet on a right. Here's a funny story. So my school, my, my daughter's school, they're like, Hey, buy a t-shirt, um, you know, spirit wear. And I was like, Oh, I got to buy her a t-shirt. And they have a Venmo account where you can just send the money that way. And I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just buy it and I'll Venmo the money. But I didn't put what the money was for. <laughs> so then when the t-shirt never came, I'm like, why did I never get the t-shirt? Well, because mommy, um, mommy brain and doing a million things never put what it was for. Oh no. So I never actually ordered the tea. So I, there, you know, there's my, and what are you going to do? It's a nonprofit. Right. You're not going to call them and be like, Hey, um, can you track down the $20 that I sent by a demo that I never marked was for the t-shirt that I was supposed to get for my daughter. I'm like, Oh my God. Right. Oh but, my gosh. I mean, it is, you, you forget. So every time I go there and they have some type of fundraiser going on or whatever, you know, I, yeah, I kick them. Like, you don't even think about it. I, I, I just kick them 40 bucks and for whatever, you know, if I buy, you know, tickets for this, you know, fundraiser, put your, you know, and I go in and I like half the time I'm like, I don't even feel like putting these tickets in. I'll just buy $40. A t- right. And you don't, you don't even think about the fact that, yeah, this is a fundraiser to get all of the supplies that they need for the school. 
Right, because then, they only probably get X amount of funding, and this is above and beyond what this funding allows. Many right. nonprofits operate the same. Right, right, and it and it goes to the you know the school district for them specifically, right. so they can buy, you know. And then I regularly get like notification of, hey, we're we need more supplies for this, um, you know, donate, and and then they'll ask specifically for the supplies, and right. it's like, okay, well, I'll go and drop off. A lot of times it's for like this, they do cooking classes on, on Wednesdays and you go wow. and just drop off cooking supply stuff. And it's, I don't even think about the fact that they're doing that because they're a nonprofit and they rely right. on the, on the parents. Donations. Right. Parents. Because right. I, because you don't pay for her to go to school. I'm not paying for right. her to well, go to school. Well, you do through your taxes, right. but yes. they only get so much dollars, you know, right. like it's the. Uh, and, and a lot of nonprofits do receive federal funding right. or state or county funding up to a certain dollar amount, but it's so limited. Mm -hmm. So let's say, let's say a homeless shelter is providing um, homeless housing for the homeless and they get a state stipend up to a dollar amount for that spot, right? For that human being, they get X amount of dollars per day, whatever that might be, right? But let's say it costs them four times that actual reimbursement. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Right. So that they can receive this funding, but it doesn't mean it's going to cover all of their expenses. In fact, like 99.9% .9 of the time, it does not cover what it actually costs. Right. Jeez. The drop in the bucket. And right. that's true in almost all, all things. Yeah. yeah. So, but it is a highly competitive market. And so when you think about fundraising, that's why you go back to the right kind of staff, the passion for the cause, the investment in training. So Nancy, we are coming to time. Um, so I have the question of the season. Um, it's relevant to some people, others it's not. But what would you change about your job or the practice that people have in your job or your role if, if you could? I think that I would um, help board members understand that the person that they hired to do the job, they hired for a reason and they have expertise and skills and abilities and that maybe a little bit more trust um, going in, going into that. I think both ways, I think that goes a long ways. Awesome. Now, if somebody wanted to reach out, contact you, how would they go about doing that? What's the best way? Sure. So I have a website and it is miraclesmanifested.com or nancymajor.net, whichever one you want to use. Nancymajor.net might be, it's the same. They all kind of connect together. Perfect. Um, so nancy at nancymajor.net or just through my website is fine too, nancymajor.net. And can they find your book there? Yes, they can. A Wretch Like Me, A Modern Day Mary Magdalene Saved by Grace. It's available on Amazon as well. Excellent. Nancy, this has been such an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time. I've learned so much um, you know, from you just in this short period of time. So like I said, I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, Leanne, for having me on as a guest today. Yeah. I appreciate it. Look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.